Welcome to Sessions for Sessions Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, John, and uh, we're a group of writers from up in Sudbury, Ontario. Uh, talk about writing. I mean, it's been, a, I guess, we don't really talk about writing because it's been uh, a little bit since we've actually talked about writing. We've been yeah. too, much, too much writing to talk about writing. Yeah. Uh, but we're back. Uh, we're back, guys. I know if you listened to that last episode, you probably realized that it was a little bit delayed being sent out. Um, that's due to writing. <laughs> but... We have a new video producer. We have a guy that is handling this. Uh, Sean, thank you so much. Uh, if you see this podcast, if you are seeing this right now, it's because of Sean. Um, if you're not seeing this podcast, then it's also because of Sean. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I mean, guys, uh, what has the summer been so far? Let's just start there. We've got Evan with us and we've got Andrew, um, both regulars. Um, you guys, if you haven't seen these two before, uh, watch any of the other podcasts. Um, but I mean, how's the 2022 season gone so far, Evan? Uh, it's been fantastic. It has been my um, probably my most volume in terms of uh, the amount of riding I've done. I've never raced. Well, I mean, I've done the bush pigs and stuff before, but I've entered way more races this year than I ever thought I would in my entire life. Um, got a new road bike. So I've got a bike for every season, every condition. I mean, I can't complain at all. It's probably been my best year of riding. Amazing. Yeah. Can't ask for anything more. I, I really can't, no. How about you, Adrian? Uh, yeah, it's been a ton of fun. A uh, lot of riding, like nonstop almost. Uh, it's my first full season on the new Thai gravel bike. So that's been a blast as well. Raced it a couple times. Yeah, can't really ask for much more. Yeah, it's been a good season. I mean, if you the last podcast we had done... Um, Maybe it was two podcasts ago, actually. Sorry. We talked about the Paris to Ancaster race. So that was the first race of the season. Since then, there's been a lot more races. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about today, guys, is how the season's gone and what we've been doing as far as racing. Now, there is some local races. There's a Bush Pig, um, which we're all participating in. That's our local mountain bike race series. We're not going to cover that so much today because those are kind of your fly by the seat of your pants. Just show up and go full hammer and hopefully <laughs> everything works <Yeah. laughs> um but Just wing it well uh, the big ones we did um we attacked the reggie ramble this year um and we also just came back from road provincials um so starting with reggie ramble i mean andrew if you want to kind of give everyone like a quick overview on what the reggie ramble is um as far as the race and the discipline and what what we signed up for exactly yeah, for sure. So um, it's basically a, a gravel race or ride, depending on how you want to approach it. Uh, they do a good job of having different distances, depending on what you want to tackle. So there's like a 65, a 140, and a 200. Um, so we did the 200, which we'll get to in a few minutes. But yeah, they kind of uh, differentiate themselves from the other events in Ontario by having these ambushes, which are really technically challenging sections, usually on climbs or, you know, sand or loose stuff, baby heads, whatever. Um, but that's how they kind of stand out in the Ontario, you know, gravel racing scene it's by having these ambushes. And some people love them, some people hate them, um, but that's kind of their whole thing. And then uh, besides that, they, they kind of run it all as a big festival. So the first day is the, the race and the main event, and the second day is just about fun and doing fun rides, eating, hanging out, buying cool stuff, that kind of a thing. So really cool event for yeah, sure it was it was honestly incredibly well put together i mean we'll talk about the event more in detail um but the one of the big kickers was i mean the distance right there was three options for distance so something kind of for, for everybody 
um, the girls, the bearded ladies, they 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 went at the 65. So they were able to come down um, and do the 65 kilometer race. We were able to do the 200. Um, now there was a lot of elevation, um, a lot of elevation, about 3,000 so meters of elevation. So much elevation. Yeah. So about 1,000 meters of elevation per lap. Um, a big thing too that uh, was mentioned is it's their whole thing is loops, not laps. So every time, every so there's a 60. Then you go, then you do to the 140, then you go to the two, I think it was 210 or whatever it was. Um, but each one, you're not just doing a lap of the same course, you're doing a different loop. So you're getting a different experience every time you head back out and everything leaves from this like central barn. But each loop was about a thousand meters of climbing. So we're about 3000 meters by the time we we're done, mm -hmm. which was a lot of fucking climbing. Um, Evan, going into it, I mean, we had the three options. Um, why the 200? Uh, well, why not? I mean, it's, it's there to be a challenge. And, and I think that, um, we all like a challenge. We'd, we'd already done the hundred, uh, at the Paris to Ancaster. And, um, I don't know. I just, I thought that, uh, doing a 200 now would be another challenge to, to look towards, um, being as technically challenging as it was and as, um, like elevation challenging as it was uh it was definitely not your average 200 um but i think probably looking at it like uh something to finish rather than to win um entering a 200 was was probably the the best option yeah i mean like we're leaving the 200 so like i mean don't get me wrong guys like if you if you're going out and you're planning to race this thing and go really hard racing 200 kilometers is it's crazy um absolutely ridiculous um all in all it took us a while to complete um and we just did it to complete so and that's an important thing to remember here so if you listen to the podcast we did about the paris to ancaster we the paris to ancaster when we all showed up we were showing up to race this event um kind of brands itself a little differently now you can definitely there's people who are showing up to race that are super competitive there's also people that just want to complete the distance, whether it's the 65, whether it's the 140, or whether it's the 200. Um, having done some longer rides, you figured, yeah, screw it, right? Yeah. Send it to the long Might one. As well. um, but it was definitely a change in mindset, allowed us to like, you know, not worry so much about holding on to the front pack, not worry so much about, um, you know, putting up big times and taking breaks. We could kind of take the time we needed to do it, but it was, it was challenging in itself. Um, yeah, I mean, even the, the times leading up to it, if we, as far as I'm concerned, do that much training to show up to a race. We try to, generally speaking, do the longer distance, mm -hmm. right? Um, as far as training, what did uh, what did you do, Andrew, kind of heading up to it? Um, <clears throat> well, having heard that there was a lot of elevation, a lot of climbing, stuff like that, and a lot of loose gravel in some places with the climbing, um, we all made a point of doing hill reps locally, finding the biggest hills we could in town, yeah, going it. up and down them, up and down them as many times as, you know, we could make time for. Uh, Evan found some real loose ones back, you know, wherever, and we hit those several times. So that was kind of key for just getting a feel for the terrain and what we're going to have to do on a repetitive basis, I think. Of course, we all put in hours and hours and miles and miles of just general riding and some focus training, but um that was key yeah I think. to get back to it where was the so i know we did the crowley lake road mm -hmm. um which was a good i mean if you're local you know that that's a pretty good climb and it's a good one for training you know hill climbs but where in where was that loose climb 
It was well, back there, but where was that exactly? Remember the well, really loose? Yeah, that was on the snowmobile trail going down into Kiwi. Okay, that was a good one. And yeah. in hindsight, maybe even a better one to attack multiple times had we have, had yeah. we have known how bad the ambushes were going to be. Yeah. Well, I mean, as good as that one was, the uh, trip that we did to Wolf Mountain, I think, was probably the best. Yeah, like, absolutely. It, it, it mimicked as much, I mean, without well, even explain knowing. to everybody exactly what that was like. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, it was, it, we, we, (laughs) we started, uh, on a, on a dirt road, um, which was fairly well-traveled, um, had, you know, two clear defined lanes of traffic, you know, out and back or however you want to look at it, like North and South. And then, um, the further in you went, the narrower it got and the less maintained it got until we got to basically a glorified quad trail that went straight up a mountain um but it was it used to be uh, an old fire tower access route and um the steeper parts of the climb were um they had the mnr had brought in um, concrete to um to get some kind of track yeah to, to provide traction for the trucks that had to access the fire tower but you know, the, t- the tower has been long since abandoned and um, the erosion has taken its toll. So all you're left with now is a bunch of sand at the bottom of all the hills. And then these like baseball to watermelon sized boulders strewn across your trail. And you've got to either ride over around or or walk it. And, a lot uh, of line choice stuff. Right? You know, it, that's all it was, was line choice. And I mean, you're trying to go up like a 17% grade in your easiest gear pushing as hard as you can and think about where you want to put your tire next every single foot you're yeah. riding. I mean, it was, it was just, and then to get down to the, um, to the Reggie and be met with pretty much the same thing. It's, it was it kind was, of crazy. Yeah. Honestly. It was ideal. And, and the way in, so the way into Wolf Mountain, for those of you who haven't done it, like the rolling kind of terrain mm-hmm. of constant loose washboard yeah. was perfect too. Like yeah. and coming out. So after you ride Wolf Mountain, you ride down Wolf Mountain, which is, it sounds like it'd be sick, right? Oh, they're like <laughs> right down this like 17% grade, like kind of descent. But you're on a freaking gravel bike, just bouncing around. Anyways, not as epic as it sounds. No. But the way out, the road out from there, I remember we're fatigued. You're tired. You're, you're, you're heading downhill as fast as you can down these like pretty good, like kind of like loopy sections, right? But everything's loose. So mm-hmm. as you're coming, I remember I smashed my phone wheel at one point, got it flat had to figure that out yeah. tire plugs like there was a lot of learning done in that day about the, the what terrain what we should be expecting what should we should be expecting as far as like you know even just our bikes but also um mentally like <laughs> being yeah. ready for those climbs well i mean usually you can expect to sort of i don't know catch your breath or stop pedaling or whatever on a descent um and that wasn't the case with this wolf mountain one and it also really in a lot of cases or a lot of places wasn't the case in the Reggie either. Yeah. Like you couldn't rest on some of the downhills because you were just so active in trying to steer your bike around all the obstacles that were on the trail. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think, uh, I think the, the leading up to it, we did about as good as we could expect for Sabri. I mean, it's just for here we have, we do have a lot of rolling terrain. We don't have a lot of sustained descents. That was mm-hmm. just about as good as you get mm-hmm. for a sustained descent, but we were able to kind of use what we have, spend, I mean, at the end of the day, and like I say the same thing to people doing things like the Bay to Bay, things people doing Grand Fondos that are hundreds of kilometers long, or uh, the paramedic ride, which is a multi-day tour. It's all about saddle time. Right? If you can't sit in your saddle for eight hours, there's no way you're going to be able to do a 200-kilometer event. 
Yeah, I think honestly that the, the saddle time is likely as important as the training because like you said, if you can't sit, then you're never going to finish. Never. Regardless of how good your, your power or your leg muscle or your endurance might be. Yeah. yeah, if you can't take sitting in the saddle for extended periods of time, then, you know, you might as well not even ride. Yeah. Yeah, well, that time in the saddle, like, it uh, helps condition certain things that you otherwise don't really get used to, like hip flexors. If if you're not used to being in the saddle for 8, 10 hours, I, you know, my hip flexors will lock up if yeah. I'm not conditioned for that, stuff like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And even positional, you know, like, you're you're riding hunched over so much of the time it's not like on a mountain bike where you're up and down out of the seat or out of the saddle you're you know you're active on your bike you sort of get to stretch your body even without thinking about it um when you're riding a gravel bike or whatever you're you're basically in the same position for hours and hours on end that's what i I can't speak to bike fit enough i mean like yeah having the bikes being in the right position being in the right position early was was big because then we could do all this training mm-hmm. in the right position kind of like not getting a bike fit the day before the event like making sure you're comfortable making sure we had everything dialed in um even like even nutrition like did you guys do any playing with nutrition beforehand like not nutrition on the day of but like before the day of trying to figure out what works yeah i would say that that was probably as much of my training for this event as actual riding training was you know, just reading different sources and, and then looking at what was available and easy to make and then trying to figure out what was going to be easy to eat because I found like in the Paris, the Ancaster race, having the um, the dry goldfish. That goldfish. Was, that was like, the... I, don't, I don't want to relive that one. Um, but yeah, like having, <laughs> I found that having stuff that is like, you know, not quite a mouthful, um, isn't dry, is easy to chew and swallow. Um, you know, doesn't linger in your mouth like some of the gels tend to. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just finding the right stuff. Did you do a lot of playing around, Andrew? Yeah, well, my big thing getting ready for it was I wanted to make sure that I could take in that amount of sugar and carbs for that length of time without getting any kind of GI upset or my body, like, just rejecting them at some point. So I spent a lot of time, like, training my body to take in, you know, liquid nutrition in my bottles and then also process that sugar without getting an upset stomach so that was my my key thing because you know i wanted to be able to go eight hours plus and still be feeding myself and not be you know feeling sick or whatever yeah that makes sense i mean it's important to make sure your body's like obviously climatized that a reasonable word i guess to like to the nutrition you're gonna eat right like showing up to and i it's unfortunate, like, not to knock on Scratch. I love Scratch. Scratch stuff actually agrees with a lot of people's stomachs mm-hmm. really, really well. They set up a tent at the at the event. If you haven't had Scratch before, that's maybe not the day to try Scratch for the first time, right? And yeah. that's, that's a lot of the events. When you show up and someone's got a booth and they're handing out, like, some kind of bar or some kind of like you want to make sure you know what's good for you yeah and it's important i mean that's why here at the shop we saw i saw so many different kinds of like like whether it's noon or whether it's scratch or whether it's goo or whether it's whatever like something will agree to some people and not to others yeah for sure so it's really important to make sure that you know what's going to be good for you ahead of time and, and that you have this shit yeah. <laughs> right like that like you got enough of it to get you through the event well, I can tell you that I found that, like, I love sugar. I don't think anybody that knows me would disagree with that. And I found that my tolerance for sugar is about 170 kilometers. 
Because <laughs> I was using I was using a lot of gel packs and stuff like that throughout the ride, and it got to the point where like I was having to force them down because I knew I needed like the the carbs or the the energy or whatever pack it was that I was eating. But holy God, I had had enough sugar. Like it was coating my mouth. It was around my lips. It was stuck on my bottle. Like it just I was a mess. Yeah. And yeah, so I I just yeah 170 and that's <laughs> that's it. <laughs> um so that's as far as you know kind of leading up to but let's talk really quickly about my favorite part um bike choices and setup choices um this was fun uh, i mean for all of us because we were all doing a lot of playing around kind of with different configurations uh we're all a bunch of fucking nerds so it's uh we got pretty pretty dorky about it um evan let's start with you so configuration choices Coming up to the ride, did you make any changes to your bike? Did you do anything different to your bike that for this race that you thought maybe would help on this event? Yeah, I uh, I changed out my tires and uh, my rims. So um, I think more than anything, it was tire choice that, that um, made a difference because I had been on, I think they were 47s. and On 650s too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then so I on was, a smaller diameter. Yeah, and I was on 700s, uh, 36s or... 35 the victorias we yeah. the victorias 38s 38s okay good tire yeah they a super good tire because like they have a really um light tread on what i would consider to be the the most used surface um like so for all the road riding and um you know pretty decent uh, trail riding that we were doing but then there were these sections of sand that were just ridiculous and like you know three and five inches deep in some of the places and um i would have to say that probably having a narrower tire um hurt me a little bit there my my flotation was not what i was accustomed to with the wider tire that i had before but um definitely having like the the grips on the outside like the the knobs or whatever on the outside of the tire uh, it really allowed for much better handling and then even to going down some of the more rocky descents um just having the assurance of a more aggressive sidewall kind of not really a sidewall but you know um it yeah that made a big difference for sure yeah tire selection yeah tire yeah. selection apart from that i don't think i, I don't know i didn't do anything else you i just changed change just changed wheel sets so <laughs> i um i did so also did some tire selection but uh before i did that i did um i changed my chain rings so i went to a smaller chain rings um trying to get a little better climbing gear um, specifically for the Reggie, I used it. I did put them on a lot earlier, but uh, and oval trainings at that to try to get just a little bit of a better climbing gear, um, which seemed to work okay. Um, seemed to give me the range I needed. I wasn't really asking for more gears, but the except for the end, but uh, <laughs> which we'll get to later. But uh, um, other than that, for me, it was, it was again wheel selection. So for those of you who know me um, and know the bike I ride, it's I'm riding what well, was riding uh, Rondo Hurt. Uh, it's for sale if you want to buy it. Um, it's, it's a great bike, but the the challenge with the Hurt is that it's set up to be an aero road bike to be six, so 700 by 30 ish wide tires is what they claim. And then when I'm on a, I can run 650s by 47 to turn it into like an aero gravel bike. But I found on 47s, I was getting some issions. On the, on the Paris Ancaster, my biggest regret was not being on 700s. 
I found that the ride was a lot of road with some sections of kind of trail, but it was mostly road. And I heard the same, <laughs> the same about Reggie, and we'll give you guys our, our actual feedback in a minute. But um, coming into it, I was expecting a lot of road, so I wanted to be on my 700s. So for the Wolf Mountain ride, I rode my 700s with a, uh, a Gravel King and a 35 up front, which didn't give me a lot of clearance, but I was hoping it was going to be very dry. Um, so I rode a 35 in the front and I had a 33 in the back. So very narrow tires. But when I, we did the, um, the Wolf Mountain ride, I punctured my front tire. So what I ended up doing was running tire inserts. I ran the Vittoria tire liners, which was a total freaking game changer for me. That allowed me to run the pressures that I wanted while still being able to, like I wasn't worried about my tires. I could feel a couple times where I took the tire right to the rim and uh, having that piece to kind of like, I mean, I didn't, I didn't flat. So, and there were some freaking sections that were pretty, uh, pretty gnarly and no flats at all. So that was, that was very, very positive. Um, those are my two big ones. Um, other than that, just bags. I mean, bags are pretty yeah. big. Having that top two bag for the food was like, that's, that's the bag to have those Alpadura bags with the top two flap are unreal. They are. But magnet flaps along with that i think having um a hydration pack fuck that was it was key so and we'll talk about that in a second um andrew what did you do for setup um so a while before reggie i decided to swap my chain ring i'm on a one by setup i decided to swap my chain ring to a 46 from a 42 and uh the closer we got to reggie and the more i heard about the climbing the more i was like really stressed out about that um it ended up being okay but just okay like i i used my full range of gears in reggie <laughs> absolutely my full range of gears uh so that was the one thing kind of that i had changed at some point before reggie and then the other thing to mention is i did not change my tires but um leading up to reggie i really wanted to i was kind of stressed out about my tires because i've been running 47 650 by 47 Terravail like basically slicks at this point. They used to have a yeah. file tread, but now they're like slicks. Yeah, full like big balloon tires basically. Yeah, mm -hmm. so like wide, but just no tread at all. And uh, I did Wolf Mountain on them and was like kind of surprised by how well they worked out. Um, and then for Reggie, I was really stressed out about the traction and just ended up, you know, going with what I have been running. And it turned out to be a really good choice in a weird way. It happened to work out really well. Yeah, like, even really, though I was so well. stressed out about it. But yeah, they, they ended up working out really well, like just huge slicks. I yeah. think I think they helped you a lot in the sand, the yeah. sand. having that extra flotation. Yeah, for sure. And on the road, like I kind of ran a medium-ish <laughs> pressure. So on the road too, they kept me pretty quick, I think, Yeah. despite being pretty wide. Yeah, yeah. That was a, I think that was a good tire choice and not something I would have expected, if I'm being honest. No, like I was worried going in, but felt it worked out great. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, so um, getting to the event. I mean, the event was uh, in around Peterborough. Um, got a hotel for a couple of days. It was honestly it was super, super beautiful, beautiful terrain. Um, the event itself uh, was, was quite something. So um, basically, if I'm being honest, it was like 95% road. So what in Sudbury here, we would call perfectly manicured road. Down there, they call extreme gravel. <laughs> um, like it's, uh, it, was, it, it was unreal. Like, and honestly, you could have rode a freaking road bike with 25s for most of it. 
the challenge was just these freaking ambushes mm -hmm. and the people people coming in they're like oh yeah ambushes it should be fine uh yeah they were like they were bad like a lot of them were like bad bad uh, they were like rough aggressive like boulders descent ones and like they, they had this little list of of like okay this many kilometers you got this one that many kilometers you got that one that many kilometers you have that one and they were they were exactly what they said they were like, there was always some kind of like pun or something that would kind of give you a hint and it was exactly like that mm -hmm. um the what did you guys think overall like looking back at the whole loop looking back at the whole event something to tell someone that's gonna sign up or look at the reggie what are you telling them about the event evan uh it was it was fantastic i would 100 percent do it again but i won't do it tomorrow um it was it was really well organized. Um, I think the the loops themselves were really thoughtfully laid out. And as far as the um, the ambushes are concerned, like basically they are just unassumed concession roads that that don't like they they've been surveyed. Um, they exist, but they're not used, you know, to to have um, vehicle access. They're used for like quad trails or to have uh, like farm equipment access. Um, some of the the fields. And I think it's worth noting, too, that this race was held in, um, like, a municipality known as the Trent Hills. So, I mean, rolling hills, uh, the geography, if you're, like, kind of a, um, a geologist or whatever, landform nerd, there's, like, a lot of eskers, drumlins, and moraines. And so you have steep one-sided climbs. You have um, slower, um, like, uh, more like a grade on, on some of these things. But you're definitely going up and down a lot and um yeah i think that the way it was laid out was really well i could i think it could have been maybe better sign in some places uh it was difficult and i'm, I'm glad that both of you had downloaded yeah. the directions to your computers so that you know we didn't get lost i think if uh, i was saying like i would recommend anybody to go to this if you felt like you could do um, you know, whatever distance you chose, but uh, definitely have a computer and definitely download. You have to do it. And, it's, it's, and yeah. that that would be, if I'm being honest, like one of my only criticisms of this entire event, like the event was unreal. Um, they suggest that you have a GPS. Now, suggestion is a light word. <laughs> Mandatory should be the right word. Yeah. Um, we were riding, and like when you're when you're going down some of these roads, now keep in mind, there's country roads, you're going down, you're going 35 kilometers an hour, you're flying through, there's these signs that are like all of six inches or seven inches across that point down a, a little access road. And if you, sometimes they're, you know, they're attached to a pole that has a tree in front of it, or they're around a corner and you miss that sign. If you miss that sign, you're traveling on these roads sometimes for 15 kilometers. You could go 15, 20 kilometers down past the sign before you've even thought that maybe you went the wrong way. Um, and then I remember at one point we were riding and there was no sign. It was like, the, it was almost like it was like a zigzag. So like you could go straight through, but you couldn't go straight through. Like it wasn't, it, maybe on a map, it looked like it was straight, but you definitely had to turn onto a road, go down the road and then turn onto another road. And there was no signs for that section. And uh, I remember a gentleman come up to us and said, no, 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 I, I, we did this race last year. This is where we had gone. And he said that, um, sometimes people go and they take the signs down. Um, so like maybe like whatever vandalism, I guess you would call that, um, to, to go and take the signs down uh, to screw riders up. But with all that said, there wasn't, so like having done Paris Tancaster and having done this, there wasn't any race marshals. 
But yeah. there wasn't people, yeah. there was photographers from here and there, but they were not standing at corners to flag you directions. So it was very self-mapped. You have to like be ready to get yourself through the ter- through the terrain. And ju- I would honestly just assume, I would go there assuming there's not going to be signs. And have that GPS ready to go and loaded so that you can navigate the course. Because without it, like, we, we would have been rough. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's worth noting too that in some of the ambushes, like the one that you're talking about in particular, it came from a road, it crossed a road, and then it was like one of these unassumed um, surveyed trails, basically, and it it did not look like you were supposed to go down it. Uh, like it looked as though you were really supposed to head down the concession road that you had come out on. Um, so it would have been really, really easy to ride by it, and we would have been, you know, who knows how long. Yeah. But that's that's like as long as you show up and you have GPS, I would say that's that's definitely um, I would say mandatory. Yeah, mandatory. count on mapping it yourself. Like, yeah. you know, guide yourself. Don't expect the signs to lead you. No, I, I'm absolutely there, Andrew. Um, thoughts on the course as a whole? Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, everybody said the third loop was going to be the hardest, but I kind of expected that that was just because people didn't pace themselves properly or whatever. Um, but I did like how they saved the most There's ridiculous for the end. Yeah, like it really ramped up. So I that's one thing that I <laughs> so describe the loops for you. I what like. was the first loop like? Okay, so the first loop started out with like a ridiculous ambush that just was a bottleneck of riders, and everybody had to get off and and walk up. That might have been like one of the more difficult ambushes in terms of riding ability. Um, but yeah, that first loop wasn't. It was hilly. It was, it was just a lot of ambushes, right? There was yeah, like a ton of them. On it was like a medium level of challenging. I kind of thought after that first, loop, <laughs> okay, this was tough, but it wasn't like the end of the world. Yeah. Um, the second loop was a lot of road riding, real easy actually for most of it until the end of the second loop. And There's then it was just else. climbing, like just no one's on climbing road, at right? the end. But like a lot of road climbs as opposed to like the first loop was a lot of ambush. The, the second loop I remember being like just constant, like turn the corner, super steep pitch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and those road climbs, like, it's almost a relief because you're on the road, but then at the same time, they're so long and just never-ending, and you yeah. don't really get a break on them, so they're pretty tough, too. Yeah, and then third loop? Third loop um, kind of was back to, like, medium-level first loop for the first little bit, and then it... I don't know what to say. Like, it just got... It got ridiculous. Fucking sand is what you fucking say. Well, actually, sand, yeah, okay, dude. so... <laughs> damn sand like it's like we're going down these trails and we're so they, it's important so like they, they there was there was an error or something in the way in which the first course was written and they we were like out a couple kilometers on our gps so we had figured we were out a lot of kilometers because we we're going through these sand stretches and it was like man it must have been a kilometer of sand just sand like just like like garson pit sand deep and deep like you couldn't like there was no way you could pedal going into it you (laughs) you would pedal 10 feet and then you get stopped and then you get off your bike i fell into poison ivy (laughs) and then you you get off your bike you start walking and no point was there a point where you get back on your bike it was that much sand so um but we we were thinking we must be in an ambush like we don't see an ambush like we're not on the ambush thing but maybe the gps data is so far out that we're we actually weren't in an ambush though like it was just freaking sand yeah things Uh, that trail yeah things in the first loop that were considered ambushes were considered 
regular riding in the third loop. Yeah, basically. absolutely. That's where your tires came in handy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was a sand for uh, a big chunk of that third loop. And then if I remember correctly, it was just like massive climbs again. And yeah, by that point, you're a hundred. It ended up actually being 215 kilometers. So by that point, we're 190 K in or whatever. And we just have like 20 K, 20 K of climbing. Yeah, and it was at that point that your the Mediterranean cable went. (laughs) Yeah, so I um about I think it was the first loop, about halfway through, I uh, I went to shift my gears and uh, they just weren't working quite right. I was getting some skipping in the uh, in the heavier part of the cassette, so it wasn't a huge concern because we weren't going super fast anyway. So we were moving, but like we weren't like after we had been dropped back from the we were we stayed with the peloton. Uh, as fast as much as we could. Evan lost his ball twice. Yeah, so that put us way back. <laughs> so then we, then we, um, we, we were off the back of the peloton. We stayed together, and that was our big thing going into this, guys. And I, I would stress that, like, if you're gonna go do a 200 kilometer race and you're gonna go do it to finish, do it with a friend that's also gonna do it to finish, so you guys can do it together. Because having that support is huge. So um, we, the first loop, once we fell off the back, um, shortly after, I felt. A little piece of wire sticking through the shifter hood which to me is terrible that means that if i'm feeling a piece of wire that means my shifter cable's frayed and that would make sense why my shifter is not going all the way down so i had to start babying the shifter a little bit um i wanted to make sure i wasn't shifting so aggressively i wasn't you know on a climb pushing into my shifter um and i'm pretty hard on my shifter honestly maybe too hard on it so i uh i, I backed off a bit by the third loop, I had totally freaking, I was so fatigued, I totally freaking forgot. And I wasn't babying it so much anymore. I was shifting like a jackass up the climbs. Um, and my shifting cable broke about 10K <laughs> from the finish. Uh, and when your shifting cable breaks, for those of you who don't uh, don't know quite how derailers work, when a derailleur has no tension on it, it goes all the way down the cassette to the bottom gear. So you are stuck in your heaviest gear. So I was in the, the last 10, I was stuck in my heaviest gear for, I don't know, since I don't know, 10K. And uh, yeah, so we picked up the pace quite a bit there, but we made it. Um, but yeah, that would be one of the recommendations. Maybe double check your shifter cables. Try not to change your shifter cable before a race, but maybe the week's up leading to double check them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was, that was it. That was a, that was a mess. um what about um so as far as the ride itself goes um pacing uh evan how do you think pacing went throughout the ride through um to like first lap second lap and then third lap i feel like the pacing was pretty good um i think towards the end um i was definitely the slower rider and so you both had to slow down and uh in some cases wait for me at the top of a hill but um i think all in all the pacing was good uh it was it was really nice to be able to get up to speed on the smoother sections of of road and and of gravel and then um to just you know embrace the suck and and know that you're going to be going slow through the trails and the ambush sections i i I don't think we could have done any better um given that like i said i was and towards the end, I was having a hard time, um, you know, getting up the hills. Yeah, but it was nice when we were riding. I mean, the first loop was always kind of was kind of fun because we were there was a lot of riders around. So especially yeah. a lot of different uh, 
abilities of riders in the first loop. So we were able to kind of latch on to riders. And we can remember that one guy had come up mm-hmm. and pulled us. Like, that's an important thing to yeah. remember, guys, too, guy. in an event is, like, if a stronger rider passes you and you can grab onto that rider, do that. And even if you're pushing a little harder, you're traveling so much faster for so much less work and you're covering ground so fast that, like, you might as well try to draft at every given opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The pacing, yeah, I thought, yeah, it was, like, reasonable. We were, we were moving. What was their end time? Oh, I can't even remember. Eight? It's just eight? Was it, like, around eight? Just under eight? Might have been nine. I think it was around nine. Nine? Yeah. Yeah, we were moving, but now moving fast. Um, by the end, the last loop took us a significant amount of time. There was a lot of freaking climbing. Um, it was very punishing, especially like your your pace you have in your first lap is not going to be your pace you have in your last lap. It's not going to happen. If you think you're going to run consistent laps all throughout, mm-hmm. it's not going to happen. Yeah, I think one thing that was really key with pacing was like, be with people that you're comfortable communicating with about pace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you need to chill a little bit, I remember, you know, toward the end of the first lap, I was worried that I I wouldn't last the whole ride and I was going to blow up. So, you know, I kind of asked if we could chill out a little bit. And it's just important that you've got people around you that you can communicate with that will push you, but at the same time, respect that and make sure that, you know, if your goal is to finish as a group, that you're going to finish as a group. So yeah, that's exactly it. Absolutely. Okay. So pacing, that's pretty well it for pacing. Um, moving from pacing into nutrition. So uh, on the ride, I mean, obviously 200 kilometers, there's a lot of freaking food and water that needs to be consumed uh andrew um nutrition plan going into it how did it actually play out uh so my plan pretty much played out how i expected it to which was fantastic um but that was basically go in scratch in every single bottle e-load which is like maltodextrin in every single bottle so that between the scratch and the e-load i'm looking at 50 grams roughly of carbs Um, and then supplement that with gels to try to get, you know, up to about 80 grams or so per hour. So another gel or two per hour. And, uh, I kind of mixed in with the gels, my maple syrup, my old trick of the, the flask with the maple syrup. So that worked out really well. Um, but yeah, so for me, that was, that was kind of key was having that in regular intervals. And then in between that, um, kind of supplementing it with real food, just so I had something in my gut that wasn't liquid sugar basically yeah. um so we had the rice cakes which were amazing um lara bars which are always kind of a go-to just to get some actual food in your gut yeah those were were great every couple hours i'd have something like that yeah they were it's important to have something now it's also we we got to restock every loop so you can't restock while you're out there there's no feed stations however at the end of every loop you come back to the barn and you can restock your supply now, when we talk about the e-load stuff, the e-load is literally, it's multidextrin, you call it, right? That's what call yeah, it. multidextrin. It's, it's just carbs. It's carbs, flavorless. We add it to everything. We were just shoveling scoops of that into every freaking bottle. Um, I always like to run one bottle, no scratch, one bottle with scratch, scratch being um, electrolytes and hydration. I just find that the sweetness sometimes that comes from scratch um, is too much. So I like to run one in one. But this time, uh, we mixed it up a little bit and ran hydration packs. Uh, hydration packs were everything. And I wasn't sure going into it because we were like, oh, it's 65K. And the way the organizer had said it, oh, yeah, I do one bottle per the 65. We are like, oh, man, maybe we were overshooting this. Maybe having a hydration pack with the two bottles was uh, too much water and we we're going to be carrying it around too much. 
That was not the case. Nope. Absolutely not. We drained our hydration pack pretty well every loop and refilled it every loop. It was uh, 100% necessary. I had this like super slick like Alpaduro one that was like, had like the right bands that was like nice and light. Um, you guys, even just, it doesn't matter. Any hydration pack is better than no hydration pack. When you do it, it's better to have more water than not enough. Mm -hmm. It was hot out there. There was like no tree coverage. We were scrambling from the times we did want to stop to find some spot with tree coverage. So you having the water, having excess water was not, not a bad thing at all. No. And for me personally, uh, I drain both bottles and my hydration pack every lap. Yeah. Like I knew that we were coming in like, cause you know, you're getting close to town. So when, uh, I would kind of like save the last few sips until I knew that we were at that point and then I would finish it like, because I just, yeah. just needed it. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, without the hydration pack and a big shout out to Todd for loaning me his, uh, but yeah, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have had the ride that I did. I would have really been hurting for water. Yeah, it was it was good to have. Um, I found that the hydration pack was a good. Um, also, like when you're eating like gels and stuff, just to have something to rinse stuff down yes, as you yes. start getting. Like you're not worried about it when you have two bottles. You're always thinking about what. And that was my the, the flaw for Paris to Ancaster for me was I didn't have enough water. And then by the end of the race, I I needed to eat something, but I couldn't. There's only certain things I could eat because I didn't have the water to rinse it down. Now having that effectively endless supply of water on my back because it was so much water and i know it is an extra bit of weight but having that water allowed me to kind of eat whatever i want whenever i want which then contributed to more calories which meant i didn't bonk as hard like it, it definitely definitely helped that way mm -hmm. um evan uh what about you so uh you had some cramping at the end i did yeah was I that was... due to nutrition hard to say i don't think so um i think my my nutrition was pretty good um again the the amount of sugar that i consumed was maybe to be revisited but um again i think the cramping just goes back to um maybe insufficient or um not the right kind of training um because it's always my uh adductors that tend to cramp and um i don't like unless I do a really long ride and I really focus on doing some high intensity intervals, like on, on Zwift, I don't really activate the adductors that much. And so they, they tend to get forgotten in all of the workouts and then it's always what ends up cramping. So, um, you know, d doing different exercises to engage them now, uh, is, is part of my training and yeah. And just carrying mustard again, like I probably went through seven or eight, packs of mustard in the last loop because um, I started cramping just after we left the barn for the last the last go around and I could manage it for most of the like I guess probably two-thirds of the ride and then and then anytime I went to put power down like on any of the hill climbs um, that's when it really started to affect me so you know takeaways from that would have been um, the nutrition was good um, training could have been better but learning how um, how to get around the cramping and how to, um, I guess, just deal with it when it comes. It was, it was really good. Cause there was no way that we were going to just, you know, say, Oh, well, we're not going to finish this now that we're, you know, this close, um, just because my legs were cramping and like, I wasn't about to, to stop, but yeah, learning how to deal with it was a big, big takeaway. Yeah. 
I think that's, uh, I mean, and that's that Cemento game, right? It's, yeah. uh, it's important, so especially with a with a ride like this, to do with people that you know and that you're comfortable with, especially if you're doing it to complete, right? If you're doing it to complete as opposed to to race. To race is a whole different ballgame. Um, but to do this, to complete a race, you do it with people you know, and you everyone has their spots that they're strong with and spots that they're not strong with, and having riders with you that just know that and going into it like everyone's gonna be together and everyone's and like the same thing with the ladies doing the 65 and they they kind of came together over certain things and made sure that they all made it through it doesn't matter the length that you did it was just about making sure that you and the group that you do it with um are all on the same page about how you're gonna get there and when you're gonna get there um not in any kind of timeline um and your takeaways on the mental side um yeah, I mean, really just be comfortable, don't be anxious. Like if you're if you're doing a ride to complete it and not necessarily to race it, my takeaway is just sort of a validation of something I've always known but haven't had the opportunity to put into practice, which is like if you just keep pedaling, if you just stick with it, if you just do what you know works, even when it feels like it's not working, it will work again and you will get through it and you'll end up accomplishing something that you didn't know you could accomplish right so i don't know about the two of you but personally for me this was my longest ride mm -hmm. and to have done it on terrain that wasn't all easy right like this yeah, wasn't like a like a 200k like smooth road grand yeah. fondo this is a challenging ride and so yeah i mean i think that's it yeah it's making sure you're in the right headspace and that you you're gonna get it done no matter what definitely mattered um also just like not approaching it like a race right mm -hmm. like it's falling off the back of the pack was not a big deal um you know not making it all the way up that climb or um having to stop for a second or stopping at the barn to stretch like none of that is a big deal as long as you um all kind of agree that's not a big deal going into it so that's no one's shocked when someone says hey uh can we stop here to stretch or uh hey can we wait at the top of the hill no one's shocked. Everyone's on the same page. So I think it's important to communicate that ahead of time. But um, I think honestly, overall, like I was super happy with the way the entire thing went. Mm -hmm. the, the takeaway, like super stoked. Would do that event again. Like that was, yep. uh, it was very fun. Um, <laughs> we learned a lot. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like if, if there's nothing else to take away from that race, what, what we learned was like the best outcome, I think. You know, you yeah. didn't, didn't come home with a medal, didn't come home with prize money, but came home with some uh, some really good things to work on and put into practice and, you know, tips to help other people, tips to help yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Andrew, any final takeaways with the, uh, the race as a whole? Any advice to give anyone who wants to head out to it? Um, I mean, some of the advice I'd give is just to summarize what we've talked about already, like make sure you have the Garmin um, or some kind of mapping. Uh, make sure you're accounted for in hydration. I saw a lot of people in forums online that only brought two bottles per loop and they suffered real bad. So make yeah. sure you've got that hydration pack or a third bottle. Yeah. Um, and then other than that, I mean, just go out, have fun. It's a really fun event. Don't worry about, this is one that you don't have to worry about racing. Like it's just, it's a cool vibe um, yeah. and it's cool to be a part of. And it's, it's, yeah, it's something a little bit different than the other stuff that's out there. So yeah, if you're going out to race it, I mean, um, best of luck it's gonna freaking suck man 
Uh, I can't even imagine. But a really good event to do, even in any of the distances, yeah. with your friends. So, like, I would recommend it highly. Even uh, if you're an intermediate or bridging to advanced rider that doesn't want to do these longer rides, like, doing the 65 with a couple friends could be a super, super good time. And we saw that out there mm-hmm. a couple times. Mm-hmm. Coming up some of the hills and some guys waiting at the top for someone who's climbing. And, like, everyone's just stoked to be there and, and kind of suffer through it together. Uh, just knowing that... If you just know the people you bring, right? Like you have to keep that attitude high. You have to be stoked the whole time. Um, some of the riders may be struggling um, and you have to be stoked for them. And even when you're riding the course, if you show up and you ride the course, um, don't be an asshole, right? Like be a nice guy out there because there's a lot of riders out there that are not having a good time. Uh, there's riders out there that are beat, that maybe signed up for more than they thought, you know, more bit off more than they could chew. And uh, make sure you're positive for them because that's that is what makes the huge difference. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's all about attitude in a race like this. Yeah, definitely agree. And I think just to add mm-hmm. on to Andrew um, about the hydration thing too, um, if you think you need two bottles of water, bring three because on some of those ambushes, it was like a yard sale of water bottles. Yeah. Like it would really suck. Have a good bottle cage. Have a good bottle well, cage. Yeah, that too. <laughs> but I mean, have a good or put the cage. bottle all the way in. You have a history. <laughs> you have a history of bad <laughs> water do. bottles. So yeah. I, I just blame you for that. Yeah. Um, that was, I, I saw, I definitely saw some bottles going all over the place, but they were always your bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't have all been mine. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, guys, I guess that's it um, for us on the Reggie. Now, uh, by the time this podcast goes out, I mean, we'll be well after. But think about it for next year. Um, in the Sign up in the spring. Make sure, as with events, we always say, like, sign up as early as you can. Uh, as soon as registration opens, if you plan on going to this thing, sign up right away. That way you're super prepared. That way you are ready to uh, train your heart out until you get there. Don't wait till the last minute to sign up. Um, sign up early and make yourself committed and uh, make yourself trained for the event. Um, but I guess that's it kind of from everybody over here. Mm-hmm. Um, guys, uh, have fun out there. Make sure you guys like, make sure you guys subscribe. Uh, hopefully Sean does a somewhat reasonable job of editing the video. I mean, um, if I'm being honest, if it gets edited at all, it's better than what I was doing. He's only got one hand right now. so <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, shout out to Sean at this point. I mean, uh, the man took a beating, uh, went out on a ride last week, and he hit the concrete going pretty freaking fast. Um, totally shattered his helmet uh, in a couple of different spots and his collarbone. Uh, but no concussion. He is okay other than he is limp in one hand, uh, which sucks as a guy who's a bass player. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is a guitar player, and uh, he only has one arm now. So speedy oh. recovery, Sean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we hope nothing but the best. So anyways, um, guys, make sure you like and subscribe. And I guess that's it from everyone here. Have fun All out right. there. See you later. Cheers.